on the Jacob Beer Show. I am so happy to have on Pat Boone, who has appeared in 12 Hollywood films. You've had 38 top 40 hits. Um, at one point, you were on for 220 consecutive weeks, if I'm correct. Yep. Um, there's a lot of great artists out there today, but that's uh, quite an accomplishment. It is. How are you that's, doing today? That's a record I still hold, by the way. Uh, 240 consecutive weeks. The closest to anybody ever came, I think, up to now is Elton John. Wow. Uh, with 157 weeks. But, you know, I haven't been keeping up with it. And maybe somebody like Adele or Taylor Swift or somebody may have eclipsed that. But, you know, four and a half consecutive weeks uh, for years of weeks, never being off the chart. We, these days, and ever since my did I did that, most record artists leave their big hit on until it drops off the chart, and then they come with the next. But our method of operation, our MO at DOT at that time, was as soon as one of my records dropped two or three spots on the chart, say I dropped from seven to 10, out came the next record. And if I dropped from 37 to 42, out came the next record. So during that period of time, I usually had two records on the charts, one going down, one going up. And that's how we were able to maintain that. We weren't trying to maintain that, uh, that contiguous record. Uh, we weren't even aware it was happening. But, but when we found out years later, <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was a source of, uh, of some pride. Wow. So how did you kind of get started? Of course, um, in the 1950s, late 1940s, um, there wasn't at the time, of course, it was everything was new, you know. Yeah. Um, so how did you kind of get started? Of course, you and Elvis um, and some <laughs> others were really the original people in the music world. So how did you That's get started? True. Well, I, uh, I was in college at North Texas State, married, having our first child at the time, and we married at 19. So I um, I got a record, I mean, a call from a record company called Dot. It was based in Gallatin, Tennessee, just uh, outside Nashville. And they had seen me win the Ted Mac Amateur Hour on national television three times in a week. I mean, three time, three weeks in a row, I mean. And again, another unbroken chain of three weeks, but nothing came of it. I mean, I didn't get any offers from anything, but... But eventually, while I'm back in college, I get this call from Randy Wood of Dot Records, and he says, you want to make a record? And I said, well, sure, I'd like to. So he sent me uh, the, a plane ticket to Chicago, and I recorded my first R&B song, Rhythm and Blues. Rhythm and Blues at that time uh, was called Race Music. It was uh, all black, but record producers at that time were beginning to discover, just at that cusp, that I happened to come along, uh, they were they were discovering these hooky, fun songs and rhythm and blues, and and having pop artists record those songs, and we were calling it rock and roll. And uh, in fact, I was a midwife at the birth of rock and roll because because uh, up till then, rock and roll was just a kind of erotic phrase on R and B. We're going to rock and roll all night long, honey. Well, it might include dancing, but it might incorporate a few other things too. But 
Uh, I sang one heart's not enough, baby. Two hearts will make you feel crazy. One kiss will make you feel so nice. Two kisses take you to paradise. Two hearts, two kisses make one love. It was a hit at that time by the Charms on the Dutone label, which was a small R&B label. My record immediately sold a million records. It just was astonishing. I didn't know what rhythm and blues was really, uh, but I listened to the Charms record in uh, my hotel room in Chicago, and uh, I liked what I heard, and I did my best. They were a group. I was a solo artist, but with uh, a, 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 a group of singers behind me. So we, we tried to duplicate the excitement in a, a more pop but rock fashion uh, of the Charms record, and it just took off. It became a million sellers. So that was in March of 55. So, of course, by May of 55, I had to come up with a follow-up record, and I recorded Fats Domino's number one R&B hit, Ain't That a Shame. You made me cry when you said goodbye. Ain't that a shame? And um, and and I had a million seller number one record then, and that's what started that four and a half years of never being off the charts. I I just did what the recording director at Dots wanted me to at Dot Records wanted me to do, and uh, it it started a string of million sellers, which led to uh, a, a sock hop in Cleveland in October of 1965, and I went there because I had three million sellers at the time at that moment and elvis presley was the opening act at that sock hop he uh, he came in he had one record on sun records and it was a uh, it was a uh, really a bluegrass song bill monroe blue moon of kentucky keep on shining well that wasn't rock and roll and elvis tried to make it sound more r&b it was a weird combination of effort trying to make a bluegrass country song sound like rhythm and blues. And he did it his way. And the kids didn't know who he was because he didn't, he had not been seen or heard in the Northeastern or the main part of the U S only down South. And so the kids gave him a real big hand because they liked the way he looked, but not the way he sounded on that record. So he said, thank you very much. I'd like to do the other side of that record for you. Hope you like it. And that was, that's all right, mama. That's all right with me. And that was a R&B song. And they loved the way that sounded. So did I. But when he finished, that's all he had. So he said, thank you very much. And he finished and left the stage. And then I came on after him. He literally was my warm-up act. <laughs> and and uh, he, by the time I finished singing my hit records, he had left. And so we didn't even, except for that handshake at the beginning, before he went on, we didn't see each other for three years after that when we were both renting homes in Bel Air, California, and making movies on adjacent studios at 20th Century Fox. So that's the way it all began. It was out of the blue, unexpected. I wasn't trying to make it happen. I, it happened to me. Interesting. So that isn't, that's, and without me even asking, that's a very interesting, you know, story about that. Um, <laughs> and then do you have, um, a favorite song over the years, you know, and a lot of artists I've interviewed, you know, Lee Greenwood, some others out there. Well, you um, know what his is has to be God bless the USA. Yeah. For him. That yes. Was, that was just getting started by the way I was doing a syndicated 
television show, which I was funding half of with CBN, the Christian Network, and and Lee Greenwood, who was just getting started, and he came on the show to sing his new record of God Bless the USA, and he got a standing ovation, as he always did, but I saw how it happened, at least in that early stage, because his mama was on the front row of our studio audience, and when he finished singing it, she stood and started and started this standing ovation, so that other people stood up, and that's how he always got a standing ovation in the beginning. After that, of course, it happened just on the strength of the song, but he wasn't gambling on that. He had his mom in the audience in the front row start the standing ovation. <laughs> That's really interesting. But, you know, those things, they're little tidbits of information, but they do, they're important. And his record deserved a standing ovation every time he sang it, but it wasn't guaranteed unless in the beginning, unless somebody else started. In that case, it was his mama. <laughs> interesting. And he has a very interesting background, you know, about how he got involved. He's from California originally. Um, what would you say if you had the, where do you kind of see music going? Um, of course, it's changed. Spotify is where people upload nowadays, YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's a changing world. And, you know, I've talked to people in the music business over the years. You know, there was some people would say that there was more talent back then. You know, it was harder to make it where nowadays anybody can technically upload music and it can go viral and people can listen. Yeah. But where do you personally see music going in the future? You well, know? Let, me first, let me first answer the question I, I skipped, which is my favorite record. And and I have to I have to pick out of many. April Love was written for me for my second film. And, and my April Love was my wife, Shirley. And so uh, that became my favorite. But then later. I recorded the second Jewish national anthem, a song I wrote the lyric for, which is a bum, 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 bum. The, uh, the Ferrati Teicher, uh, Ferrati, I mean, it was a, a, a piano duo, duo record, just an instrumental record of the theme song from the movie Exodus with Paul Newman about the, the, uh, the new Israel, you know, the, the, return of Israel and Jews to the promised land, to the land of Canaan, land of Israel. And that movie was a huge film, but I had to sing that melody, but there were no words. It's because uh, professional writers had submitted lyrics, but they were all trying to compress uh, three to 4,000 years of history into one short melody, and they, they hadn't figured out how to do it. When it occurred to me, to try to sing it, I took the viewpoint of one person. This land is mine. God gave this land to me and wrote it in about 20 minutes on the back of a Christmas card. I was I was listening to it, trying to get an idea for a lyric. And it came to me while my wife was begging me to get the Christmas presents under the tree so we could go to bed. And I was playing the Ferrani Teicher uh record you know the uh, i guess it was from their album and uh i said honey just one more time boom 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 and the words this land is mine came to me and i, I grabbed something started writing so i wouldn't forget and in 20 minutes like i was taking dictation i wrote all, all the way to the end until i die this land is mine one person's perspective with his sabra uh, take my hand and walk this land with me with the help of God. 
I know I can be strong. So that has to be because of what it became. My my words that I wrote on the back of a Christmas card are now on the wall of the righteous Gentile at Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum, and it is on the back of a Christmas card on display. <laughs> and when the folks at Yad Vashem realized that's what I wrote it on, they said, so much the better. We know that evangelical Christians are our strongest support in the world supporting Israel because we identify so with the history of, of God's dealing with the people of Israel, which Israel, which is also uh, the history of the of the Messiah, the one who came as the Messiah, a Jew who came in the first century, uh, and and all of the history of Israel leading up to that moment and to that point. So we Christians so identify with the people of Israel because I myself wear a Magen David and a a thigh, um, always have for many years because I call myself an adopted Jew. Interesting. And, you know, at the health, I mean, in the gym, where sometimes that's all I'm wearing is this. <laughs> you know, people will say, are you Jewish? I say, yeah, you're Pat Boone, you're Jewish? I said, yeah, by adoption. I'm adopted into the family of God's chosen people. So that song, Exodus, has to be perhaps the most important in terms of historic importance than any other song, although I had 13 million sellers and and uh, and six number ones. And as you said, I think 40, 45, 40 top, 38 top 40. Top 40s, yeah. I mean, Elvis, I had 40, I actually had 41 chart records then, and Elvis had 40 in the 50s. So I beat him by one record, but I had a six or seven month head start on him with our pop records. Interesting. And when... Wait, you asked the other question is how do I see, I'm very upset with the music business, the way it's going, because, you know, the, the mu uh, it has to be, of course, open to anybody that wants to record, thank God. But a lot of the music is created not so much by a person wanting to record a song. It has to fit into whatever the uh, record executives think is the current trend. And it's not the situation where, like one time I recorded a song and by the time I got home from the studio, a recording director in LA had made it the pick hit of the week. Uh, I mean, because he could play whatever he wanted to play. Now, uh, what gets played on the radio is usually the, um, and in the charts is the result of people trying to decide what they think the public wants. And so it's got a lot of rap, it's got a lot of crap, it's got a lot of stuff that doesn't, it doesn't even belong on the charts because, but that's what the record executives think will be a hit. And so it's the taste in music is lessened all the time. And, and the fact that it, used to represent what a wide, wide spectrum of people want to hear, so anything could get on the charts, um, is, is now subject only to people who are in, in offices and suites trying to decide what, what people want to hear. And if you, there's a lot of sameness going on, something that happens, and then a bunch of other artists and record companies try to jump on it and capture that same thing 
which had been more spontaneous, but they copy it and try to make it all happen because they just think that they, they know better what people want to hear. Interesting. And then kind of the last thing, because I don't take up, I don't want to take up too much of your time is what advice would you have for young people wanting to get involved in the music world based off how it's trending? Like you just mentioned, I think this is a good question to kind of close on. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's a question I've been asked countless times over the 70, 70 years I've been recording. And I've just done three new songs in the last year and including a remake of, uh, of a song called Enya's Just Time. It's just called Time. Who knows what will happen? Only time. And you couldn't understand her lyrics, so I recorded it as a male version. But also, I have a big country hit I wrote, which is now becoming a big country hit called Grits. It's about uh, it's about uh, the, that favorite food in the Southeast, called grits do you know what grits is you ever had any grits i haven't i live in the northeast so yeah so of course you don't know yet but it's spreading across the country shrimp and grits is in all the fancy restaurants across the country but but it's always been a a staple down south it's just like man it's like a mashed potato or cream of wheat but it's actually cream of corn but it's very much the same but it's what uh has been popular for for many decades in the South, grits. So I wrote a song about grits, grits, bestest food there is, country, <laughs> caviar, Tennessee foie gras, grits, grits, bestest food there is, keep your fancy food, give me my grits. And I make fun of all the hors d'oeuvre type stuff that people are you know, treated to in uh, major events like, uh, Pate, what is that anyway? And escargot, them snails have got to go. <laughs> and and uh, making fun of all that fancy food. Just give me my my grits and eggs and ham, and that's all I want. And so that uh, we've got a video, two videos, one for children, and another for adults. And it's uh, the the video. And there's a new grits line dance now. So it's definitely a big country hit. Here I am at eighty nine still recording and uh, doing some other songs I think are more important than grits. But, uh, but, but that's because the public has decided they like grits. Uh, But I, uh, I tell young people who, this is always what I tell them because it's what I did make God your agent. Now an agent is somebody who opens a door for you as he did for me that you didn't know about. Uh, an agent will, if you walk through that door, he'll try to help you make the best use of it. That's what happened to me. And then uh, try to help you maybe build a career. If you're a good agent, will try to help you build on that hit song that has happened to you. But I, I re- said, remember, a good agent demands at least a tenth. And that's a spiritual and biblical tithe the Jewish people always knew they were to tithe on anything. 10%. And I've always done that since from the earliest record till now. And for, of course, I do more than tithe. I can afford to, I give more than a 10th to causes that I think are worthy. And I just, and then the only other thing I say to young people, make God your agent and don't sell your soul for it. If it doesn't happen, have a plan B. 
something else you know you can do and make a living at if you're singing or acting or dancing or musical career doesn't turn out the way you hoped it would, then maybe God, your agent, has a better idea for you. Interesting. That's that's something, of course, that I like to hear because, you know, <laughs> I'm in I'm technically in the entertainment business, you know. There's yeah. a billion shows out there. There's a billion people trying to get the interviews with Justin Bieber yeah, yeah. or with you even, you know, or with, yeah. you know, somebody like a president, you know. Well, I so, think God arranged this. I'll just tell you, I think God made me want to talk to you today. Well, I appreciate that. So thank you. I obeyed. I obeyed. And I'm glad. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Jacob Beer Show. I didn't want to take up, you know, too much of your afternoon, but I really appreciate it. And um, God bless you and God bless the world and this current circumstance. So thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you. I'm I'm impressed with you. And if you want to talk again sometime, just let me know. For sure. Thank you so much. All the okay, best. Okay, Jacob. Right. Bye.